Hello everyone, welcome to the Frederick Riberson podcast, the podcast where I share insights into psychology, body-oriented therapy, cosmoenergy, a form of energy healing, and many ideas that I use in sessions with my clients, so that you too can benefit, get to know me a bit better, and sort out a number of situations in your life a little bit more easily. So hello everyone, and welcome to the third episode of this podcast. I had assumed that I would be recording the third episode sooner, that it would be on a different topic, but given given everything that is going on with the coronavirus, uh, my travels and my time has been changed, and I've had to adapt. So uh, it also seems a bit futile to talk about anything that is not related to the coronavirus and the, the situation, which makes, the, of course, our, our lives and the world rather interesting these days. So I'll just talk about that. I'd like to mention a few points. Some of it is helping us understand what is going on and how we react to the situation, and then what can we do about the situation. So most people are experiencing some level of anxiety with the situation. Anxiety is a mild form, let's say medium form of fear. Fear is an emotion that we feel when we sense that there is a threat that is either a a threat, a physical threat, so a threat to our existence, or the threat of social rejection. The reason why the second part affects us so much is because through most of human history or human life, we were living in tribes, we were living in caves as cave people, at least about the history that we know about. Inside the cave we were safe, inside the tribe we were safe, relatively safe. But if the tribe decided to expel us, we then were faced with threats of very aggressive and very, very large animals. Uh, snakes, wolves, tigers, and and um, and many many others. If the tribe ejects us, it basically means for us physical death, and we don't really see the difference. That explains to some extent why people have been reluctant to be as prudent as maybe the situation warranted. Why people feel that overreacting is ridiculous, is a bad thing. In this case, assuming to self-quarantine, to wear a mask, is not so much overreacting as simply removing any kind of downside that we could have. There's a tool I use which which I quite like, is thinking between different situations, what is the upside and what is the downside of whatever we do. In this case, the upside that we get when we Um, let's say the upside that we get if we assume that it's not a big threat, the upside we get is that we don't look like we're overreacting. The downside we get is, in case there really is a threat, we can be risking our lives, the lives of our loved ones, and the lives of many other people. If we take the uh, more prudent route of adopting the behaviors, assuming there is a threat, and there is no threat, then we risk looking ridiculous, but on the off chance that there really is a threat, we did the right thing. This is, of course, thinking logically about something that is instinctive. 
it, it's helpful to do it. It's helpful to understand better why we act certain ways, why other people act certain ways. Uh, sometimes it helps us be a little bit more understanding, caring, forgiving with people. So, we're living through some form of fear. There are a number of different stages in fear. The lowest one is trepidation. Trepidation is the anticipation of the possibility of danger. In this part, incidentally, I, I suggest you pause the podcast in a minute and you look on the website atlasofemotions.org. So atlasofemotions.org that was created at the request of the Dalai Lama to help explain some of the emotions, in this case, anger, fear, disgust, sadness, and enjoyment. So five of the, the seven universal emotions. Anyway, I suggest you, you pause the podcast, you pull up the webpage, and then you can go through this. So if you're on the website, you will see at the top that you have introduction, timeline, experience, response strategies, and experience, pull up experience, get into to fear, and then you will see the different levels. So trepidation, the first one, is anticipation of the possibility of danger. This is possibly what some of us were feeling in January of this year. Nervousness becomes uncertainty to whether there is a danger. We got closer to that. Also in January, February. Anxiety is the fear of an anticipated or actual threat and uncertainty about one's ability to cope with it. Possibly a large part of the population is feeling anxiety now. There is an anticipated threat, there is an actual threat that is around, and we don't know if we can cope with it. That's one of the things people want to find out usually is, if I catch it, will I die? Which possibly is the wrong question. It's if I catch it and I don't have any symptoms and I pass it on to someone else, is it likely that that person will die? Are, are we going to be a chain in the in the contagion chain? Are we going to be part of the contagion chain or not? So we had trepidation, nervousness, anxiety. Dread is the next one. Dread is anticipation of severe danger. That's pretty much also where we are. Mix of anxiety and dread. Desperation is a response to the inability to reduce danger. Possibly some people are feeling that. I'm assuming in places where there are high levels of infection. Panic is sudden, uncontrollable fear. Maybe that is what people are, are feeling when they go to the supermarket and they realize that there's nearly no toilet paper left, that the pasta's gone, and they start panicking. Horror is a, mix, a mixture of fear, disgust, and shock. And finally, terror is intense, overpowering fear. Now, hopefully we don't get there and we can reduce the panic, the desperation, the dread, and just know that something unpleasant is coming and we can deal with it. So what can we do about this? Well, one thing is to assume the worst case scenario that we can think of and decide that in the worst case scenario, we will be sufficiently prepared. In this case, being sufficiently prepared possibly means having enough food. And some people will say that they have food for like a week or two weeks. Maybe that's not enough. 
Maybe it is enough, but on the off chance it isn't, maybe it's better to buy a little bit more. Cook a little bit more. Cook. We'll get into that later. Freeze the food. We're going to end up eating it anyway at one point, provided that we know, sort of know how to cook. So maybe if we do that, if we have some basic stocks of paracetamol, which is the one, uh, the one medication that is recommended to reduce the symptoms. Paracetamol, we stay home, we have food, we don't need to exit. Maybe then we're going to be reducing the fear and it's going to be fine. Not necessarily pleasant, but at least we reduce the worst. The fear of hunger, the fear of getting sick, and uh, we know that we're playing our part in avoiding the contagion spreading any further. Right. So, um, that being said, what can we what can we do? One of the most important things in my mind uh, is to make sure our immune system functions as well as possible in case we are in contact with it so we can fight it off our immune system and the immune systems of the people around us. So here are a few things to do. The first is to get enough sleep. If we need eight hours sleep, have a schedule. Uh, know when we go to bed, make sure we sleep enough, make sure we do everything we can to sleep well. This means, I just mentioned it, having a schedule. It isn't because we stay at home that it's a good idea to lie in or pretend we're on holiday. Better keep a schedule, sleep enough, and if, you know, the best thing to do is to go to bed early. To help sleep, these are a few tips. First of all, avoid caffeine if it affects our sleep after a certain hour. In the evening, cut off screens sometime before going to bed. Screens and social media, they excite the, the, the mind. Um, e-book readers like Kindles are very different because of the type of light. But yeah, cut off screens. I find ideally I cut off screens two hours before I go to sleep. That means I disconnect social media. Uh, I disconnect my telephone. I put my telephone away. I put the computer away. I leave the telephone and the computer in a separate room to the room I'm sleeping in, so far away. Some people say, well, I use my phone as an alarm clock. And <clears throat> maybe the real answer to that is, well, buy an alarm clock so you don't have to use your phone. The price of alarm clocks is not very high, even when it's high-quality alarm clocks like the Philips HF. <clears throat> Sorry. The Philips HF alarm clocks that um, simulate light. They're wonderful, they're not expensive, and they quickly amortized. Okay, otherwise, another thing to do is to drink a little bit of apple cider vinegar in water before sleeping. Some people like putting in honey. Uh, others just avoid the honey, just do apple cider vinegar. Just try it. Usually when we do it, we sleep a little bit better, a little bit deeper, a little bit longer. We fall asleep a little bit more easily. Uh, generally, they say two spoons, so soup spoons of apple cider vinegar and warm water and one soup spoon of honey, or just some apple cider vinegar uh, in the warm water. That typically helps. Uh, yeah, avoid things that excite us before sleeping, such as screens, movies, and so on. In the morning when we wake up, uh, keep screens off for a certain amount of time. And then we are more focused. Avoid having screens in bed, definitely. Then, throughout the day, 
uh, yeah, avoid. So this, here we come to, to, to nutrition. That's quite important because we want to be boosting the immune system and nutrition helps us boost the immune system. Nutrition, avoid sugars, avoid refined sugars, avoid carbohydrates, uh, avoid fruit. We can have some as a treat, never fruit juice. Fruit juice without the fiber reacts just like, uh, well, soda, basically, apart from we think it's healthy, it's not healthy. Avoid breakfast cereals, eat real food. Real food is vegetables, meat, fish, nuts, and some dairy. If you're, um, if you're sensitive to dairy, you can try goat products. And be very careful with industrial products because a lot of them contain sugar. So for instance, if you want yogurts, buy plain yogurts. Don't buy fruit yogurts because they're packed with sugar. Avoid salad dressing, salad sauces that are ready-made because they're packed with sugar. Anything that is low-fat typically is packed with sugar, as you, you, you'll have guessed it. It's, it's really catastrophic. When people cut out carbs, they often complain that they're hungry, and the solution is eat more food, more vegetables, more meat, more fish, add more oil. Olive oil is great. Uh, butter is also very good at helping us feel more full and just eat more vegetables, fish, and meat. If you're hungry between meals, eat nuts, just avoid, uh, avoid, avoid snacks with, uh, with sugar. Uh, what else? Yeah. Keep social media down. Um, oh, even actually in nutrition also avoid alcohol. Alcohol is sugar. Simply sugar impacts the immune system. And right now we want a strong immune system, right? So avoid alcohol, um, avoid social media. Shopping right now isn't really on people's minds because, well, there's not many stores to go to. Maybe, maybe keep that down. And then typically that's really doing quite a bit to help our body be strong, help our body fight off the uh, uh, any, any symptoms, any illness. Now, something else that's it's a bizarre exercise to do, but bear with me and I'll run you through it. There's the idea that when we have emotions trapped inside of us, it makes us weaker because we lie to ourselves. We try not to think about them. So we're in a situation where ultimately there's a risk that people will pass away. Now we don't know who it'll be the case. There probably are some people in your life where there is anger or resentment towards them, and some people where there's actually gratitude that has not been expressed. So this is an exercise we can do that's, it seems a little bit spooky, but it's, it can also be interesting. And it's the following. Imagine that people around you were to pass away. Would you be at peace with it? Regretting it is one thing, being at peace is something else. Would you be at peace with them passing away? If you would not be at peace with them passing away, is it because you haven't forgiven them, you haven't apologized to them, or because you haven't thanked them? If it's any of these, why not use the situation in order to sort it out? You don't necessarily have to contact them, you can. 
gratitude can actually be a rather nice thing to do on your own. Forgiveness, forgiving them, is something where you definitely don't need to contact them. And apologizing is something where you might want to contact them. You might also want to forgive yourself for whatever you did wrong. The idea here is that when we feel gratitude, when we stop beating ourselves up or feeling guilty, we also get a stronger immune system. And also, you know, you think of it this way. If this situation is not enough for us to do these courageous things and contact the people and apologize, then what do we really need? When is the next time we're going to be having a situation where people might pass away? Uh, we don't know. The last time was about 100 years ago. I mean, the Second World War also. But, um, I mean, for, for all of humanity to be going through the same thing at the same time, this is quite really quite unique. So, if you don't want to do it, maybe you are not ready to forgive, not ready to show gratitude. Uh, we can even show gratitude to people who have hurt us. Without them, we wouldn't be who we are today. If anything in our past had been different in the slightest, we wouldn't be who we are today and we don't know who we would be. You know, we can, we can feel angry and sad and hurt about things that happened to us, and it's perfectly understandable. But all of that is in the past. And whatever we went through in the past, that was the price we had to pay to be who we are today. The price is paid. It's gone. It's like you, if you pay the money, the money's gone. You won't get it back. We're not going to get the past back. I understand being upset. Really, I get it. I understand being, being annoyed. Absolutely. But it won't change the price we paid. It just prevents us from enjoying that which we gained thanks to all of the experiences. And the biggest thing we gained is who we are today. Then it depends what you want to make of it. What future do we want? Do we want to be someone who's harboring resentment? Anger? Guilt? Or do we want to let go and be free and enjoy to the fullest everything for which we paid such a heavy price? That's our choice. A circumstance like this it's pretty much a once-in-a-lifetime situation. There'll be a before and an after. And some people might be feeling nostalgic about the before, and other people will step up and do what they can to help build the after. And uh, that's our choice. So I hope I shared a few tips that were helpful for you. I'll probably think of some other ones, please feel free to, to share, to like, to comment, subscribe, and yeah, reach out to me. If, uh, if any of this was helpful to you, I'm really happy, really pleased, and thank you very much for listening.